Hi, and welcome to Redefining Outbound, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, David Bentham, Director of Sales Development at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for Outbound. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Hello, everyone, um, and welcome to a, another episode of Redefining Outbound. Um, today, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Tom Lavery of, I hope I got that right. Did I, did I pronounce that correctly or was it? Don't, right, don't worry, mate. I've had 38 years of it being pronounced wrong. So okay, you, can, right. you, are, you can stick with whatever version you like. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you what, to save me any more embarrassment, um, Tom, it'd be, uh, it'd be amazing if, if we could just start off with you introducing yourself and kind of giving um, the listeners a bit of a yeah, synopsis on, on your journey so far. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm CEO and founder of a company called Jiminy. Um, for those of you who, who know, we're in conversation intelligence. Basically, if you don't know it, we record, transcribe and analyze video, voice and email. Um, and we help teams improve performance so through coaching and analytics. Um, before I did that, I was at SVP of sales uh, for a tech company for 10 years, been in sales and business now nearly 20 years. So uh, when you talk about outbound and selling, I've kind of been there done it got the t-shirt still trying to work out how the t-shirt fits uh, as we all are um probably what we'll chat through today but yeah that's me yeah 100 in fact that's an awesome segue into the question that we always ask all mm-hmm. um, guests to start off with and i think one of the the key focuses for this series is around like how sales is changing and like mm-hmm. and and how it's kind of redef- always redefining itself so mm-hmm. um just to follow on the theme um for any of our um yeah, listeners that, that tune in regularly. Um, the first question that we'd love to ask is is kind of what does redefining outbound mean to you? Oh, well, uh, I've been through the process uh, at different points in time, right? We built a team at my previous company uh, and that team is still going strong, but then it was very different. I think it really depends on the vertical, the market, the time. Uh, but I think now is probably a more interesting time than ever. And we started up building our, whether you call it outbound or allbound or however you want to label it, we really started building ours again last year in any significant way. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm probably, uh, I can talk definitely about some of the things that we're doing that I think are maybe different or we're having to do in a different way to really understand, you know, how we can be successful and get good return on investment from outbound. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Um, so, so, so we tuned in recently to one of your self confidence talks, actually, um, yeah. all around kind of some of the strategies that you you were using at Jiminy uh, mm-hmm. with the sales team. And there's the, always the constant question around like quantity versus quality um, mm-hmm. of outreach. And I think you certainly have like a focus on on personalization. Um, so I'd love to hear just kind of like um, generally a little bit more about about that and kind of the way that that your team um like are personalizing like do what what are your tactics around that um love yeah. to more. well the, the two things are totally interlinked right but if you talk about going one to many or one to few for me bdr and sdr is like you're fishing with a spear not with a net yeah even if you're working with marketing so i guess uh you know people could uh, be in a pub and have a beer and argue about it all day but for me uh, i don't think volume works yeah, because I, I don't know about you, um, but 
if I get a lot of emails in my inbox, a lot of noise in LinkedIn, and we do live in a noisier world than ever, uh, just praying and spraying with whatever tool you use, uh, I think just doesn't work and definitely doesn't work today and definitely doesn't work when companies have 10, you know, 100 pain points, but they've only got one or two priorities they can focus on. So I, I think quality over quantity uh, for me on outbound every single time in the in the b2b space for sure i can't speak for b2c or d2c different ball game but in b2b or where we we operate guys i think yeah it's, it's uh quality over quantity fishing with a spear every time okay and what what would your like minimum would you set any minimum standards towards that that personalization you know like is there i i talk a lot about how i think when um you know, when, when kind of merge fields first came about and yeah. someone put hi Dave or hi Tom, like on the, you know, on an email, that was probably like, oh my gosh, this is personalized. This is amazing. Like it, it's, it's crazy. What, what, not, not when done. you get high, not when you get high Tim. That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, maybe that's more personalized because you can't maybe like, you know, then it's less robotic. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the chat GPT got your name wrong. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so like, do you, do you, you know, like, um, I don't know whether it's like internally to your team or the stuff that you do respond to, like, you know, do you have any kind of minimum requirements for what you see as like, like something that's personalized or, or anything that you're really looking for to say, yeah, you know what, like people, someone spent the time um, yeah. on this that means that I'm willing to, to then reply. Well, let's codify it. Like I did, I did a talk about this recently to make it really simple. So whether you have ABM or any other strategy like underlying, I think basically you've got are you doing your research? And I'll come on to that in a second, like how we do research, right? Because to have hyper-personalization, not just personalization, hyper-personalization, you need to do really good research first, yeah? And then you've got to hit them with a wow moment after, yeah? So whether that is a gift, a video, whatever, stuff that still doesn't get done at scale or like in whether you're talking about someone just actually doing it uh, with ever. So... For me, every one of those things is different. So if I'm reaching out to you, Dave, I'm like, right, what is my what is my in with Dave? What is my hook? And there could be five that you've researched, three, and you're picking one. Yeah. How am I then using that research to be really personalized? Like if Dave loves rock climbing and I'm talking about climbing a mountain to deliver this and blah, 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 right? This is one example off the top of my head. And then how am I delivering a wow moment that makes Dave, stand up and go, wow, I'm going to give it back. So for me, there's there's three parts to it and there's a process. So when we teach our team, it's about, right, have I got the research? Am I doing hyper-personalization? Am I delivering a wow moment? So I think really to stand out today, and we, you know, <clears throat> by far we, we haven't cracked it and we're learning all the time and really humble, but you do then get open rates in the 40 to 80% when you apply those three things in my view. Um, and for me, outbound is not about winning now and especially in this market it's about am i building a relationship am i adding value am i nurturing an account as much as you would like nurturing for a marketing funnel i think that's a problem over the last two years where it's been boom 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 everyone's like how do i get the meeting how do i create the op uh, i think that that's something that we can talk about as well that needs to change that's yeah. really 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 interesting i um I, i'm terrified of heights so rock climbing is not my my thing but um i am i i, I am interested in that the wow moments like do you do you have any examples that you can maybe maybe talk about that that kind of maybe yeah someone from the team's really kind of well it's, it's time moment? right i was thinking i saw something in the office the other day so like there was a 
the CRO, VP of sales, right? And they were Australia, from Australia and New Zealand. And they were talking in their posts all the time about, um, you know, like stuff from home or missing home or, or whatever. And they sent them like some Anzac biscuits off Amazon, which is like an Aussie thing, right? So it's like, how do you go that extra step to kind of be creative and get someone's attention? But, you know, there's a million different ways you can do it. Sometimes it's just what you say. Like, I think email is very binary. Depends who your market is and who you're selling to again. So, but you know, the text is just like, I can interpret the written word how you want or whatever. So video or voice notes has such a powerful um, conversion rate for me because you're actually hearing the emotive side of what someone's saying, you know. Agreed. Um, and going back to the research piece, because I think I think one thing that like, you know, I'm um, boarding, I'm bored a lot of new brand new SDRs. I get a lot of new SDRs reach out to me and and kind of like how how are you training how to research, but at scale? Because yeah. um, it's all well and good. And I've, 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 I don't know whether I've used this example before, but um, Josh Braun, I, I think I've used this before, so apologies to anybody that I've used it before. <laughs> but Josh fine. Braun wrote a post the other day all around a foot disease that he had. And then someone reached out to him to give him advice because that person also had the foot disease. Now, that's fantastic. And that would create hyper-personalization. But like, how do you you know that's not everybody is out there posting on linkedin all the time and especially if you're you know you and i are both settling to sales people so maybe they're more active on linkedin but let's say mm-hmm. for example someone's someone's reaching out to ctos do, do, do you have any kind of like from all your experience that you've had is there any 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 advice that you have there on on some things that like perhaps people haven't thought about that are good good places to to start with that research yeah well you can you can take a few steps back i think if someone's in a less uh i don't know like not all over linkedin and they're not there all the time and you might find them on the phone or the inbox differently then maybe you won't have to go to the same heights as someone who gets contacted as much do you you know what i mean from that perspective so i think i think it's all relative to your audience and who your icp is and how you're trying to target so for me i think we live in a world now where people generally do specialist jobs as old as I am and think that everyone has to wear 10 hats, it doesn't work like that anymore. So uh, for me, the researcher is a separate job to the SDR, the BDR. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because it's a different skill. Yeah. Uh, same way as you'd say the BDR skill is a different to the AE and you can't get someone to constantly switch gears at that, that volume. Right. Um, so when we think about research, a separate job. So researcher, one researcher to two SDRs or BDRs, right? Again, going back to the quality or quantity play, you don't need as many people as you think until you've wrote the playbook and made it work, yeah? So the researcher have all sorts of different tactics in which you teach them what to do. So yeah, it can be like, oh, where did Dave speak or what's he posting about? Or it could be the other way around, whereas we might reach out to um, the A, the researcher might reach out to the AEs in a company and find out who they're using and what tools they got. Right. So we know 50% of the time, if they're using X provider, we're going to run this play. If they, if they're greenfield and we know that. So by the time it goes to the BDR, we know which play we're going to run. Yeah. So for me, that's like, again, just being smart with your, your time and your money. Right. So, uh, depending on how much of your ICP is eating up already and who you're going after, I think that's really important, uh, because it does that. So the, the researcher, I think in, to answer your question, 
is it's much easier to train someone who's just doing that one thing all the time and obsess about being good about it. So like, how am I, how are we getting into that account in the smartest way? And then how am I finding what you call the research about the person? Or it could be, if it, you know, if it's a bit more older school company and not on LinkedIn, it might just be enough about researching enough interesting information about the company, you know, because what you're reaching out, if you know it's Greenfield is it's new enough for them and it wows them enough anyway that you don't like, it might just be, wow, what is this new bit of tech that I've never heard of before, you know? That's awesome. So, so you have within your SDR team at Jiminy researchers. Like <laughs> yeah, we did this one for, of the, yeah. the steps. We did this first at Royal Gateway, uh, which is my previous company. Where so I was, so I'm going back to like New York, 2013, 14. That's when we first did it. But I just, I just realised that that's not a lot of the time. Like you're you're uh, in hunt mode as SDR BDR, aren't you? And you're asking them to hit this many dials and send this many emails and do this many videos and do this much on LinkedIn. And then you're asking them to switch their detailed side on and really focus and concentrate and research. And I don't think it works at scale. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Can I, so we actually, I'll be honest, Kong has actually trialed, trialed it ourselves. Mm. I don't know yeah. where the idea came from, but, um, but we tried it for a bit. And I think one of the people doing it before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it mm. didn't go well for us. And, um, I think maybe we, you know, like we have to take some ownership, but I think that's certain, like maybe we didn't coach it quite right. But I think you, you mentioned there that bottom up approach, you know, speaking to the people at the bottom level, um, mm-hmm. and then moving, moving up. And I think one of the things that we found was like, um, uh, you know, uh, that flow really broke down for us. I think, it, um, I'm trying to trying to think of a, a literal example but I, I i think getting our team to directly call individual contributors sometimes the individual contributors were just very confused about what was calling um so uh, but mm-hmm. i but i do think that that's an, uh, an sdr tactic that is very favorable like you know speaking to people at the bottom and then moving up so so i'm going completely off tangent and this is nothing that, that we prepared for uh, before but i am you know for my own sake and i think the audience as well like do yeah. you, do you ha- from what you've seen is there any way like is there any advice you have on specifically approaching kind of like people for almost like what is an inform- uh, information gathering research yeah I, 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 to be fair like i think a lot of part of that can be automated more in a smart way and then the the researcher spending still way more time researching than they are trying to gather information on the technographic or whatever you need to find out. So I, I think that bit is you can do that through email and LinkedIn. Um, you don't have to actually pick up the phone to do that. Um, I think just just the way recruitment and the market works post twenty twenty, and people are so receptive to someone just hitting them up on LinkedIn for pretty much no reason and having a chat. Um, so I, I think you can automate that and you can make that the 20, 30% of the job. And then the other, you're investing the large amount of time in actually doing the quad, quality research on top. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, and, and final one on the, on the personalization piece, like how are you training, um, how are you training personalization in the team? Is there any like key principles you have there? Um, yeah, I think, well, I don't do it personally these days, <laughs> but, uh, the, the team do, I think, you know, when you look at how you do it, I think it's like anything you're investing time, right? So you've got to give really good examples. Uh, you've got to give really clear parameters. But look, I think, I think again, it comes back to the right person. 
uh, is that person curious? You know, are they detailed? You know, are they analytical in their thinking? If they're that way inclined, there's only so much you can teach. It's not, it's not that hard. I think uh, a lot of the time people probably historically have got non-researchers to do the researching. So I think if you like, I remember Rob Smith, um, who's, was, who, who now is actually a very senior RevOps person at Botify and then is now a consultant. But he was our first researcher in New York years ago. Uh, but Rob was like that. He was he was very detailed. He's very methodical. He's very analytical, very curious. And, you know, uh, there's only so much you have to teach him. So I think it's really finding the right person. Cause it's not that hard to go, like, go nuts. Like, you find anything online these days, can't you? So really... <laughs> If you want to dig deep enough, you can you can get something on a company or a person. So I think it's for me, just personally, it's more about the person. Awesome, love that. Um, so you've um you've you're scaling Jiminy. You're mm -hmm. literally at the top. It's not just the sales side. It's it's the whole of whole organization. Um, mm -hmm. but you've also you you mentioned already you're you were um a big part of Reward Gateway and and the success mm -hmm. they had there. Um, just um just interested in kind of some of the mistakes that you've seen or made um in in scaling um sales teams um oh. scaling their teams uh, anything that you can maybe warn people about or you know on the opposite side obviously we'd love to hear some of the successes that you you've had as well how long you got thanks <laughs> uh no i'm joking like uh, i think i think the classic thing is there'll be always i don't know if you've kind of heard this before a little bit of chicken and egg um as in you do the you put the uh, you do the wrong things in the wrong order. Like, you know, it, the marketing function is so interlinked to the sales function and the your successful BDR or SDR team. So I think like, if you don't have, you know, it used to be like, oh, you need SDRs and BDRs to feed AEs. It was the same, you need marketing to feed SDR and BDRs. If you just build a big BDR team with 10 people, and you're looking for needles in haystacks then forget it you're just burning cash and burning time yeah so i think you've got to have the other side of side of the house sorted and if you haven't and you're building it like how are you doing it in a way that is cost effective yeah it's a classic thing oh i need six seven eight nine ten people to do this and i know you need to <laughs> and you can work it out um so i think yeah just making sure you're doing things in the right order uh making sure you're doing it at the right scale you don't need as many people as you think to build out the playbook usually. Interesting. Yeah. And, 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 um, so, you know, I'm sure that there could be a lot of people that are really early on in their, in, mm. like in their startup. And, um, what do you see as the key pieces? Like, I suppose, how, how do you see marketing supporting BDRs and SDRs? Like what, what should be watched? What do marketing need to focus on in your eyes to, in order to, to, to support that pipeline? Um, Maybe maybe it's too broad. No, no. It, in like there's industries and um, you know different verticals. I mean, going going back to your other other question, just on make making mistakes as well. Um, I think people like this is what I'm passionate about, right? Uh, which I just sorry I'm backtracking. I'll answer the other question in a second. Yeah, okay. But people think, oh, it's the entry level graduate job. I want to pay them the least, let the least amount. No. It's the effing most hardest job, as you know, Dave, as you train and recruit them. So people kind of push it down in their estimations. Whereas what we do is go, how do you get it to like 80, 90% of a AE salary? You know, how do you elevate the role? Like if you look what uh, Shelley did 
uh, at Royal Gateway, the average tenure of a SDR was three and a half years. Yeah. But if you pay them right and you do the right things and you elevate the role, you have more success. So I think everyone dumbs down the role, dumbs down the position, dumbs down the salary. Sorry to get on my high horse about it, but that's where the problem is. And then you're just trying to churn people through it. Everyone wants to come in and go, I'll just do this for six months. And I mean, like what? No, take 6,000 hours to master something. You got to do it for two and a half years, mate. Like get on the bus, you know, and then you got to like ground yourself and learn how to do it. So I think, you know, look, everyone can take ownership for it. Me as well, but we created a world of, a monstrous world where everyone thinks they can do everything in five minutes and uh, that we underpay for certain roles. So I think we're definitely trying to change that in our business that I'm not going to spray it around, but you know, the pay brackets should be equivalent to an entry level AE and the OTE should be uh, uh, something they could be really proud of and, uh, and make sure that they're happy. Cause if someone's a great BDR SDR, then why can't they stay there? They might not be right to be an AE. So you just create this, want for a path of progression that might not always be necessary right um ultimately awesome so sorry for the rant but your other question was which i forgot now <laughs> I um, know do you know what do you know what i've forgotten as well i think oh it's, it was how um it was how marketing like how you uh, yeah, yeah. think marketing your best supports their bdr and sdr functions so we go back in time i know everyone like people don't like gated content now do they like I saw something on LinkedIn the other day and he's like, oh, great bit of content. I think, you know, we're kind of getting rid of all our gay content over time. But I think it was an old bit of content, Dave. And I was like, oh, great bit of content. Shame it's gated. It's like, oh, sorry, we're trying to get rid of all that. Uh, but like, so the, the, that was the old way, right? Like, oh, this person downloaded this ebook and, you know, now I've got a hot lead to kind of nurture over time. That's what we, we used to do at Royal Gateway. But I think for now, it's like technology's moved on. It's moved on. Uh, people can go and read up on the dark funnel and how many touch points you have to have and all of that. But I, I do think it's about intent. Like how engaged uh, is each account with you as a business? So you have to be channeling the engaged accounts to the BDRs, right? And there's a million different ways of doing it and different tools out there. But ultimately, like if you're cognizant and we see that your engagement with us is X and Y, and then now is more of an appropriate time to go after these accounts with research, with hyperlipisonization, with a wow moment, then that's the better thing to do. So I think that's the important part of marketing, making sure for all different mediums and technologies that we have that you're going after the people who are actually engaging with your brand. You know, That's awesome. Um, I'm going to do what you just did, Tom, and I'm going to go back to your previous point because there is okay, one follow-up question. Again, something like very selfishly as someone that runs an SDR organization is always mm -hmm. trying to elevate pay. Um, without going to specifics on um, just, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's always interesting to hear the tactics around it and without yeah. going into the specifics of the pay structure. Um, is there any way, you know, like, uh, like are you, are you, in order to get the them to the same kind of levels as the AEs like is there a is there a specific way you the, the commission structure is built to, to to get them there um or is it simple as you know are you, are you running the same model and just paying them more um um well i understand like don't get me wrong like i've been in early stage businesses for a long time and at different points in time you can't always do what you want but you can adapt and evolve it over time so when you don't have loads of money and you're growing stuff or you're keeping it leaner you can't always do this amazing plan where everyone's compensated exactly how you want right you can take something have to run with it and evolve it over time 
where you've got a vision to go to. I mean, compensation plans have to evolve every time. Salespeople are the masters of finding the holes in them and uh, pulling <laughs> pulling them apart and then you're having to reinvent them. But I, I, I'm a big believer in uh, you get what you measure, right? So simple example, like for us right now, what's really important is the market's maturing and we heavily incentivize the team on multi-year deals, on renewals and sales. So a lot of our comp plans in 2023 are written around that because that's what the business wants, you know, and that, that rewards the team, um, you know, or whatever. I think when it comes to the, the BDR, SDR side, I think it really depends on what, are you going enterprise? Are you going mid-market? You know, what's the average op size and stuff like that? Um, but really, I think it's making sure that they, they feel it's equally split, right? So they're getting uh, value for what they're doing in the short term because there's a little bit of carrot and stick about it. You know, like, did I create this op? Did I book this meeting? That has to be there because it has to be like the the instant gratification of doing that hard-ass job, which is tough, right? Breaking down doors and getting no 90% of the time, you know? Uh, you're still getting 70% of the time. No, if you're a really good AE and close at 30%. But, um, and then really it's like that interconnecting with the pod and how you're really sharing the value of the deal across the team. That when you're new, winning new business and if you're good and it's got a lifetime value of four or five years, what's an extra one or 2% really in the grand scheme of things? Uh, and then you've got upside, upsell, whatever you can do with that customer. So I think uh, people probably get a little bit too stingy with the percentage of commission they'll pay out on year one across the growth team. Um, thinking of it as a shared pot, really. Like, oh, does it cost us 15% comp to win the deal? Okay, how do we split that across the deal? And is that a fair thing to make everyone, uh, not equal, because equal is not the right thing, but equitable, probably the right one. Yeah. Love that, absolutely love that. Um, okay, um, to wrap up, just um, a question on feedback loops. Uh you know, your in your technology is all about feedback, right? And um, giving you know, empowering I suppose man- managers, coaches, enablement teams to to uh, be able to give better feedback to, to to individual reps, but also individual reps to to be able to get that feedback as well for themselves. Um, can you talk about like like how important you see feedback loops as being and and outside of your own product which i'm obviously happy for you to plug mm-hmm. um like what other feedback loops are really important to you that, that you've that you've perhaps created yeah yeah we can talk about jiminy because that, that, that's really coaching feedback right that's I, I train something in and then i have a structure to give consistent feedback um on cold calls or demos or for this call in the process so for me i think you like Again, people might have different views. I don't think you're going to have a successful BDR, SDR team and you build it today if you're all remote. Forget it. Yeah, absolutely forget it. Well, you know, if you know you're starting from scratch. You've seen yeah, all people starting, behind me, so. <laughs> if, you, if you're starting from scratch with no brand and you're not but no IBM or LinkedIn, yeah, and it's easier, yeah, and you are the non-brand and you start a BDR team today and you do it all remote, you've got a high percent, uh, add 30, 40% chance of it failing in my view. So I think, look, we, we live in a world where people need flexibility. I can't come in this day. I had a late train course, right? I'm not going to be all like, but I think two and a half to three days a week, people need to be in the same room. So when I think about feedback, it's about learning together, working together, uh, spending time together, 
having quick wins by turning around and hearing half conversations. So uh, <clears throat> for me, feedback is really important about actually being in the same vicinity and hearing each other, motivating each other. Like I talked about this at Sales Confidence as well, like, and in one of my talks this year, like, uh, no one wakes up motivated every day. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what job you do, it's about uh, having the right mindset and being disciplined and focused. Because some days you wake up and think, oh, I don't want to do this today. For whatever reason, you might have more days like that, less days like that, but that is your human being. So I think like you, you know, you need people to be picked up on the, uh, the days that they don't or whatever. So for me, the first thing is definitely spending time together. Yeah. Um, and then I think about it um, in terms of like coaching conversations. So I talk about this a lot as well. It's like, if you're a manager, a leader, boss, founder, whatever, it's very easy to go, I'm going to tell you the answer, whether you're doing it remotely, in person, on the phone, uh, because as human, human beings, we want to go, hey, Dave, it make me feel good because I'm the manager and I'll tell you. So you come to me and go, oh, what should I do about this email? Or what should I do about this call? And it makes a person feel good just to give you the answer. But you have to train yourself to say, oh, well, what, what do you think, Tom? How do you think you could do that? And, you know, eventually it builds their confidence. 50% of the time, they probably know the answer already. So I think for me, it's about having coaching conversations and not telling, um, which is something that I learned from someone on a coaching course. Again, these things don't suddenly, uh, you're not born that way. Like a lot of things that I've learned are over like 20 years of working and dealing with people. So you learn these things over time. But you know, people come to you and ask you a question. First question would be, what do you think? How? Why? So I think that's the two things, spending time together, being in the same room, making sure you're having coaching conversations, not telling people answers, you know. Awesome. Tom, thank you so much um, for your time today. Um, I'm, I'm, we're going to wrap up there. Um, if anybody wants to look up Jiminy, Jiminy.com, I assume. Yeah, J-I-M-I-N-N-Y. Uh, and the, you can find any of us on LinkedIn pretty easy. Awesome. Awesome. And and if anybody wants to follow you on LinkedIn for any of your your content, just just your name, I assume, as well. Yeah, Tom Lavery, not Lavery, Dave. I apologize. (laughs) Well, now I know. Now I know. That's feedback. Feedback's a gift, eh? Um, All right. Awesome. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Um, Tom, again, really appreciate your time. Um, And uh, tune in next week for uh, our next episode. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks, Dave.